0: Hey, Cheney Faith Center. Good morning, and welcome to our online service. We are living in unprecedented times, aren't we? And this is the time where we, as the church, get to be the church. And so these are unprecedented yet exciting times. I am going to be sharing a message with you this morning. And in fact, I encourage you right now to go and run and grab your Bible or pull up your Bible on your electronic device. There's going to be a few scriptures that I want to share with you. And it'd be so great if you could have a Bible to be following along with those scriptures as I share. As we get started, I think the most appropriate thing that we could do right now would be to take a deep breath and to pray. And pray over our nation, pray over um, our world, and pray for the peace of God. So would you join me in prayer? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for a new day. Thank you for modern technology that we can still be meeting as the church, even though we don't have the benefit of being at the church building. Lord, we invite your presence and your peace in each and every heart around the world right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, ours included. We pray that you would allow us to be wise and fearless and show your love to everyone that we come in contact with right now. We pray for people who are making decisions, that you would guide their decisions, Lord. And Lord, we're also asking for you to be over this virus and the pandemic that is going along with it, that you would stop this in Jesus's name, and that you would use us as your church to bring the peace of God to this earth. And we pray these things in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a series right now called Spiritual. And I was scheduled to get to share the word today with our men being up at man camp. And so when the decision was made to cancel services for this week, we thought, well, the message is prepared. It's not polished, but it is prepared. And we have technology, so let's film a message and put it up on our website. Um, and on social media so that you can gather with your family or neighbors, small group, friends, and watch this message together. So the series that we're in right now is called Spiritual. Pastor Mark introduced this series last week. And although right now we are in the thick of physical realities, we do not want to lose focus of our series about spiritual things. Because they are just as real, even though we don't see them with our own eyes. And I want to share with you something that happened to me a a couple months ago that reminded me of this reality of the spiritual realm. A couple months ago, I went to bed and I was praying as I went to sleep. I was praying about a certain situation in my life. Well, the next thing I knew, I went from praying to being awoken by a very vivid and a very real dream where I was still praying over this situation in my dream. And as I was praying in the spirit over to the side, there were a group of demons off to the side mocking me as I was praying. And their voices were really hellish, it was really dark, and it was really scary. And I woke up with chills going up and down my spine, and it took me a while to recover. I had to scoot over next to Mark for some, some safety there. Um, well, wouldn't you know it that just two weeks later to the day, again, I went to sleep, praying over this same circumstance and situation, and I had another very vivid dream this time i was praying the name of jesus over this situation and demons came to physically cover my mouth as i was praying so that i couldn't proclaim jesus's saving name over this situation well this time i woke up again and although still a little bit shook up i began to pray the name of jesus over this situation and sending those demons back to hell where they belonged Now, although those were dreams, they reminded me yet again the clear reality that we are spiritual beings living in a physical world. Not only that, but we are in spiritual battles all the time. And that is why it is so important that we take time to talk about these spiritual realities so that we know how to engage the battles that go on all around us in the spiritual realm. Well, to start out, by means of review and to be sure that we're all on the same page here, I want to take a few minutes to just go back to the very beginning. When God created the world, he gave dominion and authority to humans on earth. Now, unfortunately, we gave that dominion and authority away to the devil when we sinned. Humans sin gave the devil authority on the earth. But that's not the end of the story. And in fact, that's the reason why Jesus came to this earth, to establish God's authority on the earth through the cross of Christ. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 12, verses 31 through 33. I'm going to read this scripture out of the New International Version. This is what Jesus said to his disciples right before his death verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So this scripture shows us what Jesus came to do to drive the prince of this world out <laughs> and to reestablish Jesus' rightful reign, rule, and authority on the earth. Let's look also at 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. I'm reading just the second portion of the verse. 1 John 3, 8 says this. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. For the devil has sinned, And violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And I I hope that there's an amen on the other side of that screen. Um, The Son of God appeared for this very purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Now, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus and accepted his salvation through the death and resurrection of Christ, we are now under his authority. And in fact, we carry his authority with us here on this earth. We are authority bearers as we walk through the context of our life. Now let's think about this for a minute with a modern day example that I hope will help understand what I just shared theologically. When a dictatorship is overthrown, in a country oftentimes the United States we as a country will send troops to help enforce that overthrow. This is necessary because there are still pockets of an old regime that don't want to give up their power. They don't want to give up their authority and they exist to wreak havoc wherever and whenever they can. So we send in troops who are armed in order to take a stand against that old regime and use force, if necessary, to keep any uprisings at bay. Now, in that illustration, you can probably see some parallels to the spiritual world. The devil is like that dictatorship that was overthrown. He was overthrown on the day that Jesus died on the cross. And his power, the devil's power, was taken from him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, says it like this. I'm reading out of the New International Version, Colossians 3, 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So legally, the devil now has no more authority. Yet that doesn't stop him from trying to trick us into believing he still has authority. I read a really good article about this this past week um, by Ron McKenzie, and he explained that the devil tries to seize power where he has no authority. The devil tries to seize power where he has no authority. And he does this, this man explained, in at least two ways. The first way is if Satan can deceive Christians into believing that he has not been defeated, he gains huge huge authority in their lives and in their sphere of influence. So that's why the enemy comes to trick us to get us to believe that he has not been defeated when, in fact, he really has. And if he can do this, this trickery allows him to have some authority in our life and in our sphere of influence. And really, we give it up because we believe his lies. We give up authority and hand it back over to him. Another thing that he explained in this article was that Satan will often just (laughs) squat— in a place where he has no legitimate authority. And he will wait until someone with a legitimate authority comes to force him out. Now, this makes me think of a phenomenon that we have going on in our world today, um, squatters. (laughs) If you have not understood squatters or don't know what this is about, I encourage you to YouTube. It is really quite fascinating and, and bizarre. Um, But oftentimes squatters will come into an abandoned home and take up residency. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but squatters have to be dealt with like actual tenants, although squatters do not have any legal claim to the property that they just took over. Homeowners still have to go through a long and drawn out process to get those squatters out. Sometimes the devil is squatting in an area of our lives, and he's hoping that we won't have the knowledge, the strength, the stamina, the courage to do what it takes to throw him out. Well, God's word gives us an action plan to deal with the deception of the devil. James chapter 4, verse 7, out of the amplified version of the Bible, says it like this, James 4, 7. So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. So three things there. We're going to come under the authority of God. We are going to resist the devil. And the end result of that is he will flee from those areas where we resist him and where God has the authority. And we want to be the type of believers who know how to successfully resist the devil so that he will stop squatting and start fleeing. One of the most effective means that we have to resist the devil and the dark forces of the spiritual realm is the armor of God probably many of us have heard about the armor of God before and maybe even understand some of what it means or how we're to use it. The armor of God is found in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. I'm gonna read it in its entirety and this would be a great scripture for you to turn to or pull up your um, app, app with. So Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. A final word Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Verse 14 Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. By the way, I was reading that out of the New Living Translation. From these verses, we can see that the armor of God is a tool that God gives us, as it says in verse 13, to resist the enemy. If you look back at verse 11, it also says to put on God's armor so that you can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Those include his schemes and his deceptions. Like we talked about at the beginning, Satan tries to trick us into believing that he has authority and he seizes power where he has no authority. And this armor, the armor of God, is to help us stand firm against his trickery and to resist him. As you can see, there are six pieces of armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. In his book, Prayers for Victory in Spiritual Warfare, Tony Evan explains that the spiritual armor is divided up into two categories. The first category is armor that you wear all the time. The second category is the armor that you take up when you need it. And he gets this idea based on the Greek verbs used in that portion of scripture. The first verb is translated in the New Living Translation as putting. And it's used for like putting on. It's used for putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. And it, in, it indicates that we put those on at all times. Then Paul switches verbs for the next three pieces of armor, implying that the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit are pieces of armor to be taken up and used when you need them. So today we're going to talk about the first three pieces of armor. Just the basic, basic essential pieces that every believer should be walking around in day to day going to talk about each one of them here. First of all, the belt of truth. We put on the belt of truth when we recognize that all truth is fundamentally God-based knowledge, his viewpoint on a matter. It is not subjective, but an absolute standard that is predetermined by God. Truth must be accepted internally and then acted on externally. When you wear the belt of truth, it allows you to align your mind, your will, and your emotions under God's view on a matter. It doesn't matter how you feel about something. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what you think about something. What matters is that you are aligning yourself under the truth of God. His truth allows you to overcome the lies of the enemy and fight your spiritual battles with divinely authorized spiritual authority. So as we were talking before, God has given us that authority and we are to use that authority in our spiritual battles in order to defeat the lies of the enemy. Now, how many of us know that in the Bible it ta- it ta- it calls the devil the father of lies and that any time he is lying he's speaking his native tongue and basically what it means is anytime he's opening his mouth you can count on the fact that he is lying it might not be an out-and-out bold-faced lie although oftentimes it is it often can be just a slight um trick, a slight deception, maybe mostly true, but not fully true. And by the way, the way we can figure out his lies is by knowing the truth of God's word. I think I get into that a little bit in the future. So I'm getting ahead of myself. So that's the belt of truth. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness, or as the New Living Translation says, the body armor of God's righteousness. In any protective body armor, no matter how primitive or how advanced, there is always some sort of protection around the heart and other vital organs. Because you know that an arrow to the heart and it's all over. (laughs) A bullet to the chest and you're going down. That's why the piece that goes over your front has to be strong and impenetrable. For us in the spiritual realm, the strongest type of material to cover and protect our hearts is the righteousness of God. Because God is perfect, there is no fault in Him. And because of that, His righteousness is super strong and nothing can get past it. And the good news is, this righteousness gets transferred from God to us when we say yes to Jesus. And then the righteousness of Christ is what covers and protects our hearts. The third piece of armor I want to share with you today are the shoes of peace, or like the New Living Translation translates it, peace that comes from the good news. Now, it was likely that Paul was inspired to write about the armor of God while looking at a Roman soldier who was guarding him. For much of Paul's ministry, he was under the watchful eye of a soldier or two. They would have been with him in his home watching every single move he made, but little did they know he was watching them as well. And God used them to show Paul what our unseen spiritual armor looks like. Now, just because our armor is unseen to our physical eyes, it doesn't make it any less real. Roman soldiers would wear shoes with nails sticking out of the bottom so that they wouldn't lose their footing and fall during a battle. With spring coming up here in the Pacific Northwest, we see another example of this with soccer cleats. (laughs) Those soccer cleats help players to stay upright in rainy weather. Well, the readiness produced by the good news, and by the way, the good news is that the devil doesn't have any hold on your life anymore. The shoes of peace help you to stand your ground knowing that you have peace with God. You are whole, you're complete, and no one, no thing can steal that sense of well-being away from you. And by the way, the good news was never meant to be kept just to yourself. Paul fully intended for us to put on our peace shoes so that we could go tell others the good news that they too can have peace with God. And if there's a time where we need peace, now is that time. So we know these first three pieces of the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. Now that we know what those pieces are, we want to be sure that we are wearing those pieces. However, let me just say, the armor of God is more than just putting on the individual pieces. It's walking confidently in what those pieces represent and using those pieces to stand your ground against your enemy. So how do I walk confidently confidently, and stand my ground with each of those pieces of armor? How can I begin to allow this armor to actively help me stand against the enemy? Well, here's a few helpful suggestions. Use the belt of truth, God's truth, to defeat the lies of the evil one. Just like I had already mentioned, anytime the enemy is open in his mouth, you can be assured that he is lying. What lies has he been telling you? What fear has he he been allowing to grip your heart? What truth from God's word do you need to stand on in battle? You recognize lies by familiarizing yourself with truth. And that's why God's word is so important to us. Reading his word gaining a clear knowledge and understanding of what it says by coming to church and hearing messages, by reading the word for yourself, by doing Bible study, going to a small group and talking about God's word with other believers, when you begin to understand the truth, then it helps you to recognize the lies and you won't fall for the lies of the enemy anymore. The belt of truth is so important. Use the breastplate of righteousness to see yourself the way God sees you. When you look at your life, particularly things from your past, or maybe even things currently in your life, or think about your future, what do you see? Do you see all your failings and shortcomings? Can I tell you what God sees? The scripture tells us that when God looks down from heaven at your life and my life, if you have said yes to Jesus, all of that filth from your past is covered by the blood of Jesus, and that is what God sees, and that's what he wants you to see yourself as as well. When you ask Jesus to be your Savior, his righteousness covers all your unrighteousness, past, present, and future. Now, the enemy will still try to condemn you for a sin from your past, but the scripture tells us that there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness protects your heart by declaring that there is now no condemnation. This allows you to hold your head up high and walk securely in that imputed righteousness that Jesus has put over your life. Then the next step is to starve your flesh and feed your spirit so that God's spirit will produce the natural outgrowth of right living from within you. And did you know that that's part of what God desires and delights in doing for us? It's called progressive sanctification. And what it simply means is the longer you walk with Jesus, the more and more you're going to resemble Jesus, the more and more you're going to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, respond like Jesus, think like Jesus, and treat others like Jesus would. I saw a quote this past week from a man named Noah Heron that says this. I'm not perfect. I mess up. (laughs) Same. (laughs) But my mess ups don't have the final say anymore. Jesus does. And I'm becoming a little bit more like him every day. Isn't that good? I want to read that again because that's some good truth that someone needs to hear. I'm not perfect. I mess up, but my mess ups don't have the final say anymore. Jesus does. And I'm becoming a little bit more like him every day. That is a perfect descriptor of the confidence that we have wearing the breastplate of righteousness. Let's talk a minute about the shoes of peace. When we're wearing our shoes of peace, it's so that we will not slip into fear or doubt, or worry, or chaos, when there are hard circumstances and realities going on around us, such as now. Peace is one of your biggest birthrights as a child of God. You get to claim peace, that sense of peace and well-being, no matter the circumstances going on around you. And by the way, peace is very attractive to others who have chaos going on in their lives. But too many of us have been allowing the devil to steal our peace. And it's time for you and me to recognize the attacks of peace on our lives and counter them in the spiritual realm with God's truth on the matter. And for some of us, it might not be that we are in chaos, but we have a little niggling of um, unrest of something that's going on in our lives. We don't we don't have to accept that. We don't have to claim that any little thing that tries to rob our peace or disrupt us, we get to say No. That is not my birthright. My birthright is I have the peace of God operating in my life, in my mind, in my emotions, in my whole life. So I want to take a minute to just challenge you um, to engage with one of these pieces of armor. Hopefully you're taking down some notes or you can go back and look at the scripture that I read, Ephesians chapter 6, verses um, 14 and 15, I believe. But the three pieces of armor that we talked about today were the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. And I want to encourage you, take one of those pieces of armor And engage with that this week. You might even jot yourself down a little note that says, I'm going to engage with the breastplate of righteousness. The way that I'm going to do that this week is to focus on seeing myself the way Jesus sees me instead of my past or the way that I'm trying being tempted to see myself. Take some time to choose one of those pieces of armor and then to engage with that this week. As I was doing my studying this week about the armor of God, I noticed that the second and the third pieces of armor, so the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace, rely very heavily on the first piece of armor, which is the belt of truth. Then as I got to be thinking about it, I would probably even go so far as to say that the belt of truth is of primary importance in the armor of God. Maybe that's why it's listed first because it's of primary importance. All of these other pieces of armor find their um, purpose through truth. Each of the five pieces are supported and strengthened by truth. And that's why it is very wise for you and I, as soldiers in a spiritual battle, to know, learn, study, and stand upon truth. Truth is what we fight from. The truth of who God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are. The truth that Jesus has won the battle on the cross. The truth that the devil has been defeated and has no more authority and his only power is that which we give him. The truth of what God's word, the Bible, says about you, your life, your past, your present, your future. The truth of the authority God has given you as his kid to stand against the schemes, the deceptions, and the strategy of the enemy. The truth to evict that squatter devil in areas where he has simply tried to come and take up residence waiting for someone to kick him kick him out that's part of what you and I bring to this world in the kingdom of God you and I bring God's kingdom to this earth and we don't have to stand for the squatting trickery of the enemy any longer with an international pandemic on our hands our spiritual armor has never been more important How can you and I, during this season of of life that we find ourselves in, 2020, how can you and I bring that truth, that righteousness, and peace to our world? Because remember, the armor of God is, is more than just putting it on. It's walking confidently in what it represents. How can you this week at work confidently bring truth, bring righteousness, bring peace, When you're out and about doing your errands and there's all kinds of talk and chatter about what's going on in the world, how can you take a few extra minutes out of your day and stand in peace with someone who's afraid? These are important conversations for us to have. And in fact, I would even encourage you after this is over here in just a couple minutes for you to visit with whoever you're watching this with and and ask that question. How can you and I bring truth, righteousness, or peace to our world right now and then take some time to pray about that as a a small group, as a family? What can you do? As believers living on the planet in 2020, let's remember that although we are in a battle, the war has already been won. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take our responsibilities to bring God's kingdom here to earth very seriously. Let's put on our armor, walk confidently in what the pieces of armor represent, and use those pieces to stand our ground against the evil one. He's not welcome in our lives, our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, our community, our schools. We're going to be people who use the armor we're going to engage the battle. We're going to kick the devil out where he doesn't belong. And we're going to be persistent because persistent persistence is the key to successful resistance. Well, let's take a minute to pray as we wrap up this lesson. Um, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity that we had to... To hear from you through your word today thank you for truth lord your word is truth you are truth and you have given us truth and you want us to be people of truth lord i pray that we would engage the spiritual battle that's going on around us that we wouldn't be afraid of it but that we would be confident that we have what we need through the armor of God, and through the blood of Jesus Christ to put on our armor. This week especially, we're going to be focusing on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. May we bring truth, Lord. May we do what is right in these days. And may we take your peace to a very afraid world, Lord. Thank you that you equip us for this and that you... um, You are our commander-in-chief, and you are going before us, and you are making a clear path for us to um, engage this spiritual battle and to see victory brought to this earth. We thank you, Jesus, for your death and for your resurrection, and that you are truly over this world and over everyone in it. We thank you for this time together. May we be your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I want to let you know, um, please be assured that this week we will be making plans as a staff for the upcoming weeks, and we will communicate via um, email or our social media outlets. But we want to encourage you during this time, let's be the church. Let's lead with wisdom with fearlessness, and most importantly, let's lead with love. Always remember that Jesus loves you very much, and so do Mark and I. Take care.